Heavenly Father, we thank You, we praise You, we worship and honor Your name. You are such an awesome God. We're so blessed that we can know the Creator of the universe in an intimate and a personal way. That You're not a faraway, distant, uncaring God, but You truly are Abba Father. We can crawl up into Your lap, and Lord, that You desire that we just have that intimate fellowship with You. Lord, we pray that right now that You would be our teacher. That man would decrease, that Your Spirit would increase. That Lord, we would be challenged in our walk with You. That we would be conformed to Your image. And we thank You for the example of Mary that we're going to look at this morning. We thank You for her faithfulness. And Lord, we know that she's exalted by so many, but the reality is that she was a common woman. And Lord, it was her faithfulness that caused her to be used by You. And Lord, You desire to use us in the same way. So Lord, we love You, we praise You, we worship and honor Your name. We cry out in desperation for You this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, to catch you guys up a little bit, we started the Gospel of Luke last week, and I talked about the reason why there are four Gospels. You know, a lot of times people wonder why. You know, it seems like it's the same thing over and over and over again. But there are four Gospels for a specific reason. You know, in the, in the Old Testament days, or even in the New Testament days, that no, no uh, testimony would be received unless it was by at least two people. Well, in this case, we've given it by, obviously, all the New Testament writers, but the Gospel itself by four writers. Each of the Gospels is written to a different primary audience, and because of that, it has a different focus. The Gospel of Matthew, which we went through first, has a focus mainly to the Jews. And that's why we see throughout the Gospel of Matthew the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and the pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is King and Messiah. In the Gospel of Mark, which we just finished, the primary audience was the Romans, and because of that, we see the emphasis on Jesus being the suffering servant who came to die for all mankind. The Gospel of John, which we will get to next, was written to the entire Gentile world and emphasized the deity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is indeed 100% God. Amen? While He's 100% man. And the Gospel of Luke, which we're looking at now, is written to the Gentile converts. And it's written in a way to, to point to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. That term is used 26 times in the Gospel of Luke. Son of Man means that while He is 100% God, He was also 100% man. We talked about the fact that the Gospel of Luke is the longest book in the New Testament, and it has the greatest amount of detail of all of the Gospels. It's also got a companion book that we'll get to probably about a year from now, but it's got a companion book, the book of Acts. It was also written by Luke, and Luke, just based on the number of verses, the most prolific writer in the entire New Testament. More verses even than Paul. Now last week... We looked at the first of two reactions to good news coming from Gabriel, the angel. We looked at the person, a man by the name of Zacharias. And the first reaction that we saw last week was unbelief by a high priest. Here was a man who was, who was a godly man. Zacharias, we talked about this last week, that his name means Jehovah has remembered. And he was married to a godly woman by the name of Elizabeth. And her name means God is my oath. And we know that they were raised in godly homes. They were both, both of the priestly line and they were used mightily by God. And they were living in the midst of a dark and a perverse generation. It had been over 400 years without any new prophecy coming into the world. And during that time, most of the world had turned its back on God. And in the middle of all that, we know that the lot fell for Zacharias to go into that most holy place and do what the priest only got to do once in his entire lifetime, if at all, and that was to burn incense unto the Lord, to enter that holy of holies. And as he was there, Gabriel, the angel, appeared to him and told him that God had remembered him and answered his prayer, that he was going to be giving birth to a son, and his name would be John. John means God is gracious. And so he said, you're going to be giving birth to a son named John. 
And you know what? The reaction of the priest went from faith to fear. Because when he saw the angel, he was afraid. And again, I, I think that makes perfect sense. If an angel showed up in my house, I'd be afraid too. Right? I mean, that's pretty supernatural and an awesome thing. And, and you know what? But that fear turned to faithlessness. Because he heard the word of the angel, and instead of accepting it, he disbelieved. He thought, you know, that's so improbable. How can that possibly happen? Basically, the word of God was not enough for Zacharias. And so Zacharias didn't believe, and his fear went to faithlessness. He doubted the word of God. You know, he started well. He was faithful in the midst of a, of a darkened generation. But fear and unbelief robbed him of God's perfect calling upon his life. Because remember what happened last week? Is that when God told him, and he dis, or the angel told him God's word, he didn't believe, and then it was, he was struck dumb. Which means he could not speak. And as he came out of that most holy place and the crowd was gathered for him to enter them into praise to the Lord and, and to pray with them, he could not even speak. He could not even tell them what he had been told by the angel. And we talked about the fact that unbelief at the Word of God will render us ineffective for the ministry that God has called us to. Last week I challenged you guys at the end of the message, is God using you the way that He desires to? Are you available to the kingdom of God? Have you, heard the God? have you heard God's word and how have you reacted? Have you rea reacted with unbelief? Have you become dumb in your faith without speech? Or are you somebody who's being used effectively by the kingdom of God? So last week we saw the, the picture of Zacharias. And now today we're going to see a different extreme. We're going to go from one who was a faithless priest in a sense. Again, and I want to say this too. Zacharias continued to be a man of God, but for nine months he could not speak and he missed out on God's blessing because he did not heed the word of God. And I believe that God has callings upon each one of our lives and we miss him too. God calls us to do things and we miss out on his calling and his desire to work in our lives. So we're going to go from the faithlessness of this priest to the faithfulness of a young woman. A woman that we all know of and her name is Mary. In direct contrast with the fear and faithlessness of, and unbelief of Zacharias, we're going to have the faith and humble submission of a young, and I believe a teenage woman. Mary was a young teenage woman. Where the priest was in the Holy of Holies and God appears to him and says, your prayer has been answered, we're going to see that she was just a woman that was seeking after God, who was walking with God, but she was a common Jewish woman who, who had no idea that anything like this was going to happen, unlike what many theologians may tell you. God, through Gabriel, his angelic messenger, had revealed both to Zacharias and Mary supernatural blessings and callings upon their lives. And I want to say this real clearly. The blessings from God are not for our personal comfort, but for, our, for His glory alone. Amen? So often we think that someone's blessed because they're comfortable. That's not necessarily what a blessing is. A blessing is that we might be used for the glory of God. Amen? Not blessing so that I might be comfortable, that I might live in the big house on the hill. And sometimes we consider that a blessing. And in a sense, maybe it is in a physical way. But spiritually, the greatest blessing of all is to be used mightily by the Creator of the universe. So both would be blessed with a child of eternal significance, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And you know what? One of them was an improbable situation because when Zacharias told... when. The angel told Zacharias that he was going to have a child. He said, well, wait a minute, my wife is way beyond age to have a child. Well, guess what? The message he's going to give to Mary is much harder to believe than the one that was given to Zacharias. Amen? And yet she's going to believe anyway. She's not going to doubt the Word of God. She's going to trust the Word of God. So we're going to see the initial fear of Mary become, become humble and faithful obedience to God's physically impossible blessing and calling upon her life. So let's begin in verse 26 of Luke 
chapter 1. It says, Now in the sixth month, his angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. The sixth month is going back to the sixth month of Elizabeth. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. There have been six months of silence in the mouth of Zacharias because of his unbelief in his relationship with God. He didn't believe what the angel had told him. So because of his unbelief, he was unable to speak. And Gabriel, his name means a strong man of God. And so the same angel that appeared to Zacharias now appears, it says, in the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, it's important to note, is an obscure town 55 miles north of Jerusalem. It's a place of lowly reputation. Some of you will remember that in John 1.46 when Philip found Nathanael and told him to come, to, to, that he had found the Messiah. And he said his name is Jesus of Nazareth. The response was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, the Nazarenes were looked down upon by the Judeans. They looked down upon them. It was, they, they considered them unkosher, unclean, because they mixed with the Gentiles. And so this was a, a woman, a young teenage woman, who was seeking after God. By, she's not the high priest. She's not going into that most holy place. She just has an intimate, personal relationship with God. And she's in a place that's looked down upon by men. And as she's there, the angel is going to appear to her. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, it was said. Well, obviously something very awesome came out of Nazareth. And sometimes we think, can any good thing come out of Santa Cruz? Amen? It's a pretty ungodly place. But you know what? In the midst of the darkness, God always has those who will shine a bright light for Him. Amen? And what better place to take a light than to the darkest place around? Verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. A virgin, one who was pure and unspotted. The importance of the virgin birth is something that we cannot overstate. Let me just make this very clear to you. If we do not believe in the virgin birth, you do not believe in the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Amen? You know, people want to water it down. They want to take it away. They want to say that it's not real. But here's the reality. The, the blood of our fathers, this is a medical fact, is what runs through your veins. And it's not the blood of our mom, but the blood of our father that runs through our veins. And you know what? Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God, and it was the blood of the father that flowed through his veins. The only reason that he, was a, that he could be a sinless man on earth was that he came from the heavenly father and was born of a virgin birth. And if we, if we downplay that, if we say that there's anything less than that, then we deny the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And I want to make this really clear. Nobody else was ever born of a virgin in the history of all mankind besides Jesus Christ. Amen? Muhammad was not born of a virgin, right? Buddha, not born of Joseph Smith, none of them. Only Jesus Christ alone. And only in Him can we find salvation. So it says there that He was born, that He came to a virgin. And this is a fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14 where it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And that's exactly who Jesus Christ is. All other men and women were conceived through the seed of sinful man, but Jesus Christ was placed in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Virgin birth. Don't ever let anybody downplay that. It says there, she was betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. Betrothed is Jewish. Betrothal was a binding 
as binding as modern marriages today. It was something where you had to get a divorce to be released from it. But during that time, there was no physical contact. We talked about the, the Jewish marriage last week, how in those days they would be betrothed, the, the groom would give the bride a gift, he would go away and prepare a house, and when the house was made ready, he would come back and receive his bride and take him under himself, and then they would have seven days alone together, and then there would be a great marriage feast. Again, a picture of what Jesus Christ is going to do with us. We are his bride, amen? He's gone away to prepare a house for us. He's coming back and he's going to take us away for that great marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be awesome. And so there was this betrothal. So there was already a commitment. It had already been sealed in a sense, though they had not come together physically. And she was betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. This is going to be important in just a moment. It says here, of the house of David. We know that the Word of God tells us that the Messiah would come of the lineage of David. So it's important to note that. Of the house of David, a descendant of King David. And it says the virgin's name was Mary. The name Mary means exalted. And that's who Mary was. Now I want to make this really clear. There are two extreme differences between the two recipients of the good news brought by Gabriel. One of them was an old man. The other was a young woman. One was very wealthy because most priests were because you know there's a lot of greed and graft that went on in the temple quite often and most of them are doing just fine. We know that later from later texts that, that Mary was very poor. Uh, one was a priest one was a descendant of David, a king. One was in the temple in the Holy of Holies. One was in a very common home. One was in the holy city of Jerusalem. The other, Mary, was in Nazareth, a despised city. And one of them reacted with unbelief, and the other one reacted with faith. Do you know that God appears to, it desires to reach every single man, whether we live in the palace or we live in a jungle? God desires to reach out and touch the heart of every man, woman, and child upon this planet. And it says here in verse 28, And having come, and the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The word there, highly favored one, literally means one who is full of grace. Now I want to make this really clear. This is the same word that is used in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, and the word is used is termed accepted. We've been made accepted through the grace of God. I want to make it clear that here we see that Mary is the recipient of grace, not the dispenser of grace. Amen? A lot of people today think that Mary is the dispenser of grace. That's not true. Mary is a sinful woman, as we're going to see, in need of a Savior. But she is blessed and she is exalted because she's going to react to the Word of God in faith. She's going to be obedient to what God calls upon her life. She's going to make herself available. She's going to react to humility the same way that we should. Now, when it comes to Mary, people tend to go to one of two extremes. They either magnify her so much that Jesus takes second place behind her. You know, the Catholic Church has come out and said that Mary is co-redemptrix with Christ, which means you can get there through Jesus or you can get there through Mary. Now look, I'm not slamming the Catholic Church, but let me just tell you something. If anybody tells you that anybody's equal with Jesus, run. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And you know what? Mary was in need of a Savior just like you and I are. And she is not the co-redemptress. She is not the dispenser of grace, although she was a woman used mightily by God. The other extreme is that we ignore her completely and fail to recognize that God used her mightily. The word there, highly favored one, portrays Mary as, again, recipient, not a dispenser of design grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. 
The acronym that many of you have heard is God's Riches at Christ's Expense, right? G-R-A-C-E. God's Riches at Christ's Expense. It's the debt that was paid on our behalf at Christ's expense. The debt that you and I could never pay. And that grace was poured out upon Mary, just like it is being poured out upon us, those of us who will accept it. It says, Blessed are you among women. And truly she was blessed by God and used mightily by God. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary's response reveals her humility and her honesty before God. When the angel came to her and told her she was highly favored, she didn't feel like she was worthy of that. When the, when the angel came to her and said she was blessed among women, she didn't feel that she was worthy of that. This poor, young, teenage woman from a despised city of Nazareth was troubled and felt unworthy of the angel's greeting. And you know what? That's exactly how we ought to feel. Amen? We should never feel like we're worthy. We should never feel like we're, we're something special. That, you know, God is just so blessed to have me on His team, right? It's the other way around. Amen? We're blessed that God would take sinful people like us and use us for His glory. And Mary's response is exactly what it should be. She was blown away. She was afraid and surprised at the angel's appearance, just as Zacharias was, as any normal human being would be. And while Mary was a godly, humble young woman, she was simply that, a young woman. Sinful, as much in need of a Savior as each one of us. Now let me say this. If she were some unique, sinless um, person who, who knew that you know, she was going to be co-redemptress with Christ, when the angel showed up, she might have said, well, I've been waiting for you. Where have you been? You know? I knew this was coming. Yeah, you're right. I'm exalted. Yeah, I'm highly blessed. You're right. I mean, you know, I mean, that's what that's why she would have reacted had she been equal with with Jesus Christ. But you see her her humility, and we're going to see later in the text. We're going to see that she refers to herself as someone in need of a savior because that that's exactly who she is. And it says you have found favor with God. You know, Mary had nothing to fear because God knew her humble heart. And God, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. Those who know God have nothing to fear, but rather rejoice in His presence. But let me say this, those who do not know God should be afraid. Amen? You know what, if you don't know God and you're flying in the face of God, there needs to be some godly fear. And the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We have fear and reverence and awe for God, but we have nothing to fear. When, you know, when we stand before God, we're going to praise and glorify and lift up His name, and I know I'm going to be blown away when I see Jesus face to face, and I can't wait. But you know what? I long for that day. I'm not afraid of that day. I look forward to that day. And you know what? As Christians, you know what? Christians die well. Amen? You know why? Because we know where we're headed. You know what? For Christians, it only gets better. And for those who don't know God, it only gets worse. And you know what? For each one of us, we can long for that day and look forward to that day. And, she's, and I want to say this. You know what? She had found favor with God because she had faith in Him. Let me ask you today, have you found favor with God? Have you? Have you found favor with God? Not because of the works of your parents or not because someone brought you to church, but do you have a personal, intimate relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Are you like Mary, somebody who's in prayer, somebody who's seeking after God, somebody who's humbly desiring to be used by Him? Have you found favor with God? Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive... In your womb, and bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
Gabriel gives Mary the good news. She's going to give birth to the very Son of God. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. He said, you are going to give birth to Jehovah is salvation. Now here's this, again, young girl, poor, living in a despised city, and an angel shows up and tells her, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. Now does that a little more hard to believe than him showing up to Zacharias and saying, your wife's going to have a child? Absolutely, right? You've never been with the man, you're a young woman, and by the way, you're going to have a child, and the child you're going to have is the Son of God. Now, I would think it would be a lot harder to believe that than to believe what was brought to Zacharias. But as Zacharias responds with doubt, Mary is going to respond with belief. The angel speaking to Joseph in Matthew one twenty one says, And she will bring forth the Son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. From before the creation of the world, Jesus was and is our Savior. Amen? Even before He came. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew. He, he, it was a plan before the creation of the world that He would come to earth and suffer and die. While the good news to Zacharias seemed improbable the, the, that his wife would have a child this, and was met with fear and faithlessness, ultimately rendering him useless to the kingdom of God as he became dumb, the good news to Mary seemed impossible. A young virgin giving birth to the Savior of all mankind. What an awesome message it was, but at the same time we could see how she might struggle with it. Verse 32. He shall be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of, your father, of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He will be great. You know, that word gets kicked around a lot. But there's only one who's great, and it's God. Amen? There's, no, there's only one that's good. That's what the Bible says. There's none good except for God. Amen? When we talk about, you know, so-and-so is a great quarterback, this person, there's only one great. And it's Jesus Christ. Amen? And it says, He will be great. And again, these words were spoken of about John the Baptist, but now we get much greater detail when talking about Jesus. Remember John the Baptist had said, of men born among women, there's been none greater than John the Baptist, right? You know who said that? Jesus did, right? And Jesus said that, but what did John the Baptist say? I must decrease that he might increase. And here we see it says of Jesus, He will be Son of the Highest, literally the Most High God. He will have the throne of his father David. Jesus was David's physical descendant. Throne is emblematic of the, of the messianic kingdom. And he will be the Messiah. Jesus came to earth to be the Savior of the world. And as a fulfillment of the promises of God made to, his Jewish father, made to the Jewish fathers. His kingdom will not be temporary physical one, but an eternal and spiritual one. Every other king that's lived is dead. Right? They live and they die, they live and they die, and somebody kills them and takes their kingdom. The kingdom of God is everlasting. And Jesus Christ will be our everlasting king. Amen? Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. The kingdom is not temporary. Now, to recap, Zacharias the high priest had paid for years for his son in the Holy of Holies burning incense to the Lord. The angel appears to him, tells him his long-awaited prayers have been answered. Further blessing, he will be a mighty man of God. Not only your prayers have been answered, but he's going to be a mighty man of God. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. He's going to turn the people of Israel back to God. He's going to turn the disobedient to wisdom. He's going to do all these mighty and wonderful things. And you know what? He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And you know, the reaction of Zacharias was unbelief. 
The only potential retribution for Zacharias believing what the angel said was possibly being mocked by people who wouldn't believe that his wife, who's well advanced in years, could have a child. That's the only possible downside to him believing the word of the angel. But you know what? From Mary's point of view, here she is, a young godly woman, simply living a life set apart to God. The angel appears, not answering her prayer. He just appears to her. She hasn't been praying about this. She hasn't been saying, you know, let me be the, the, the one who delivers the Son of God into the world. And she wasn't praying that prayer. She was simply walking with God. And you know what? And God showed up. The angel showed up and said to her that her humble obedience, that through her spiritual anonymity, that God was going to use her. That He had found favor with her. And that as a virgin, she would give birth to a son, Jesus Christ. And what I love is, is that Mary's response was incredible. Look at verse 34 initially. Look at her response. Then Mary said to him, How can this be since I, did, I do not know a man? Now I want to make this clear. Unlike Zacharias who questioned, Mary's question was not out of unbelief but out of wonder. You know, I'm betrothed to a man and I have not been with him. How is it I'm going to have this son? She was not questioning. It was not unbelief. It was trying to understand. And you know what? When God has a calling upon our life, it's okay for us to say, Lord, help me understand the calling you've given me. Help me understand your perfect will. Lord, I trust you. I'm going to obey you. Give me wisdom. She was betrothed. No man had ever touched her. And again, it was an expression of faith. Verse 35, And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Gabriel explains the child would be a miracle. He's not going to come through any man, but he's going to come through God Himself. He'll be a work of the Holy Spirit, the very Son of God. You know, I notice here that whose greatness is being emphasized in this verse? The greatness of the son, not the greatness of the mother. Amen? It doesn't say you will be the marvel. It says he shall be the son of God. He will be the son of the highest. He will be the one whose name is magnified and lifted up. He is the one who will save the people from their sins. It says nothing like that about Mary. Amen? People try to tell us, oh, Mary was sinless. and per-. No, she wasn't. But she was blessed and used mightily by God. Verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who is called barren. He tells her this most awesome, incredible truth. Imagine being a young woman, teenage girl, sitting at home in your poor home, just seeking after God, and an angel shows up and tells you the most incredible news ever. And then, oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth who's well beyond age, she's six months pregnant. Now, this is much harder to believe than what was told to Zacharias, who responded with unbelief. Zacharias, a priest. Zacharias, a one who studied the Old Testament Scripture. Zacharias, supposed to be a man of God. But Zacharias responded with unbelief. But look at the response of Mary, and I love it. Again, from a physical perspective, the angel's promise was seemingly to her impossible and for her cousin improbable. But look at verse 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. This seemingly impossible truth. How can this be that I've never known a man and I'm going to give birth to a child, not only a child, but the very son of the living God? And the angel says to her, With God nothing is impossible. Do you know what? The same God 
who spoke to Mary through the angel Gabriel, desires to speak with us, to us today. And with God today, nothing is still impossible. Amen? Can God do anything? Can God turn Santa Cruz from a godless dark county into one of the most godly places on the planet Earth? Absolutely. God can. Amen? The eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the horrors, seeking those He can show Himself strong on account of, those whose heart is loyal to Him. God's just looking for men and women to stand up and say, Lord, use me. Lord, I want to be used by you. Give me, give me a call. Show me what you want, Lord. I'll obey. And you know what? God can turn the world upside down. He took 12 men to turn the known world upside down. There's six times as many people in this room right now. Couldn't God use us to turn Santa Cruz County upside down? Amen? If we would just be sold out for God, unashamed of Him. He used a woman like Mary. He can use men and women like us. It's still true today. Gabriel's statement of fact should turn us from focusing on our human imperfection and frailties and cause us instead to trust in the omnipotence of Almighty God. You know what? The reason that Zacharias fell and the reason that he failed the test was he looked at his wife and he looked at himself and he said, we can't do it. We're too frail. She's too old. I'm too old. How can we have a child? It's impossible. Instead of, saying, instead of looking at our human, our human frailties, we need to look at the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of Almighty God. Amen? Why could David go down and slay Goliath? You know, Goliath, you know, 9, 10, 11 feet tall, 750 pounds, right? Makes Shaquille O'Neal look like a punk, right? Come walking down, and every day, 40 days and 40 nights, number of testing, he said, you send out your, you send out your greatest champion, and if, if I defeat him, you will all serve me, but if, you defeat, if he defeats me, you'll all serve us. And what would happen every time you went down 40 days and 40 nights, everybody, and they ran away, right? That's what they did. They all ran away. David shows up bringing his brother some cheese. That's, and read, it's in the text. He's bringing cheese to his brothers, and he hears them, him defying God. And what does David say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against my God? David didn't see 11 foot 750 against a little man like himself, a, little, a young man like himself. He saw a mere man coming against Almighty God. And David said, I'll go down, I'll take care of this guy. And when he came out, Goliath said, you send out a dog to fight with me, children, you know, you're going to battle me with sticks, what is this? And what happened? We know what happened. God used a teenage boy like David without any armor and a slingshot to take down 11 foot 750. Why? Because it's Almighty God against mere man. David didn't look at the frailties of himself. He looked at the awesomeness of our God. Zacharias failed because he looked at his own frailties instead of the awesomeness of Almighty God. May we not look at ourselves and say, I'm a, you know, I can't do it. You're right, you can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? We can't do it. We are of no value apart from Him. In us dwells no good thing, the Bible says, but through Him we can do all things. You know, someone's my sinner, man, I'm, I, well, I can't really share my faith because I'm, you know, I'm just not, I'm not a great orator. Well, Moses was a stutterer and God used him to free the Egyptians. Amen? God can use us. It's not ability, but availability. Zacharias missed it because he looked at his human frailty. This virgin, a quiet, humble woman serving God, will have a child without knowing a man. He will be the Messiah, the very Son of God. Your barren cousin will also have a son. And Mary was also, in accepting these words, she faced much greater danger than Zacharias did. Why? Because if she truly had a child and was still not married, was just betrothed, what would happen to her if they found out she was pregnant? They could stone her to death. They could take her outside the city gate, they would stand them in a box, and they would throw rocks at them until they died. These are not pebbles. 
And you know what? That was, that was the price that she could pay. For Zacharias, there was no potential consequence, but for her, there was a great potential consequence. And look at her response. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Maidservant is the lowest kind of female servant. And she says, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She trusted completely in the Word of God. Zacharias, a, a religious leader, fearfully and faithlessly doubted the promise of God and was rendered totally ineffective for ministry. Mary, a young, impoverished, Nazarite woman, disregarded the potential ridicule of men and faithfully trusted the Word of God and was used mightily by God, so mightily that she gave birth to the very Son of God. Let me ask you a question. Who are you living like today? Are you living like Zacharias? Are you, are you copping out on being used by God because of your own human frailties? Are you saying, you know, God can't possibly use me because, you know, I'm just not, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a gifted speaker. You know, I, I'm not the most educated person. I haven't done this. You know, I'm not in, in a position of authority. I don't, I just can't. That's what Zacharias, he responded with unbelief. You know, Jesus has called, God has called every one of us. He said, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Who is he talking to? Everybody sitting in this room. Amen. If he, equips, if he calls you to do something, he will equip you to fulfill that calling. Amen? And you know what? I love, what I love more than anything as a pastor is I love when someone comes to me and says, you know what? Man, I, I know it's going to be difficult. I, mean, I, I don't feel totally equipped to do this, but I just really feel like God wants me to do this. I say, man, do it. You know why? Because it's humility. It's someone who comes with a desire to be used by God that God will use mildly. I get worried about the guy that says, oh yeah, I can handle that. I got it all figured out. I've done that before. I can make that happen, right? I don't want that guy. I want the person who's humble before God. And that's what Mary was. Mary was totally surrendered. She trusted God. She disregarded men. She stepped out in faith and she was used mightily by Him. Let's finish up by taking a look at the response of what happens when we respond to God the way that Mary did. She's going to now rejoice in Him. Look at beginning in verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went out into the country with haste to the city of Judah. You know what? Not only did she believe the word of God, but she acted upon it. God had delivered a word to her and now she's going to run out to her cousin Elizabeth's house because she's been told that Elizabeth, who she knew, who had been praying her whole life for a child, and in those days when you were barren, it was considered, you know, they looked down upon you. You were ridiculed because of it. It was considered maybe that you had done something wrong against God. And she runs out to see her cousin. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The very presence of Jesus within the womb of his mother Mary caused John to leap for joy in his mother's womb. Jesus just being in his presence in his mother's womb caused John in his mother's womb to leap for joy. You know what? Jesus should, ought to, should cause us to leap for joy. Amen? You know, we want to cheer. Niners, you know, they're out. Raiders, they're out too, right? We want to cheer for football teams when it comes to Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian, right? I mean, we ought to be excited about God, amen? You know, I'm going to heaven. Does it get any better than that, amen? There's nothing better. Ha-ha, <laughs> heaven bound, like DC Talk says, right? I mean, we're going. And then we should be excited about the things of God. We don't need to, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, no, we should be excited. And you know what? It says that, that he leaped with joy within his mother's womb. Elizabeth, was, too, was filled with the Holy Spirit. As the following verses would attest. Verse 42. 
Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. With the Holy Spirit comes great joy and also boldness. Holy Spirit had filled Elizabeth, and because of the Holy Spirit, she recognized the Messiah for who He is. That's the only way you can recognize the Messiah, is if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Without the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the Word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot recognize Jesus for who He is. And now she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She understands that the Messiah is, in her, is right there before her in the, in the womb of Mary. And she speaks out with boldness. You know, a lot of people think that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the fruit of that is speaking in tongues. Well, the Bible says the tongues is the least of all the sign gifts. The, the true sign of someone who's been filled with the Holy Spirit is boldness to preach the Gospel. Amen? You see someone who's filled with the Spirit of the living God, they're not shy about their faith. Amen? If you're, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and be an undercover Christian. And she boldly says, there, Oh, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you among women, not above women. I want you to notice that. Blessed are you among women, not above women. God has chosen her, but she's just like any other woman, just chosen by God to be used in a mighty way as the mother of our Lord. Verse 43, But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to my home. Now, I want you to notice again when she says, Mother of my Lord, not in praise of Mary, but of the child within her. A profound expression of faith that Mary's child would be the long-awaited Messiah. Again, only through the Holy Spirit may we know truth. Verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Here... Elizabeth emphasizes the faith of Mary. Because Mary believed the Word of God, she would experience the power of God. Zacharias missed out on God's calling because he doubted God's Word. But Mary believed God's Word and she would experience the power of God in her life. If you, you know what? If you're, li- if you're lacking joy, if you're lacking understanding, if you're lacking direction for your life, you need to get with God. Amen? You want to know what life's all about? Spend time with the Lord. Get in His presence. Seek His face. And you'll have joy beyond measure. Let me show you the kind of joy that Mary had. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, We are saved by grace through faith, not of works that any man should boast. It's the grace of God alone. But look at the joy here that we see of Mary. This is called the Magnificent of Mary. That's what this song is called. And here's what happens. is Mary, just out of joy, starts singing a hymn. And you know what? That's what we should be doing when we're worshiping. Amen? We should be singing out because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know what? Our God is our Lord. He's our Savior, our King. He's my best friend. I can't... Man, I just can hardly hold it in. I've got to tell Him that I love Him. That's what worship is. Amen? It's worship. He is worthy to be praised and worshipped. And here we see that when you walk with God and you're filled with the Spirit of God and you believe His Word and you say, Lord, use me mightily and you respond to His calling upon your life, then you walk in joy. If you don't have joy in your life today, it's because you're not walking in the will of God. If you're walking in the will of God, no matter what your circumstances are around you, you're going to have joy. Amen? Joy is not based on our circumstances. We have joy in spite of our circumstances if we're walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. That's exactly what has happened. She's so filled with the Spirit of the living God, she can't help but make melody to God. You know what? I love it when I'm walking around and I hear somebody, maybe I don't even know, I'm in the grocery store, and I hear someone singing a praise song walking through Safeway. Don't you love that? Oh, that's good. I like that. Right? I mean, that's the way it should be. As Christians, we should be walking around singing praise songs. Amen? Instead of walking around and complaining. Going to heaven. Doesn't get any better than that. 
So too must the fullness of the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Mary's song contains quotations from the Old Testament and references to Old Testament Scripture. Why did God use Mary? Because Mary was a young woman who spent time in His presence and who spent time in His Word. And how do we know that? Because she starts singing and guess what comes out of her mouth? The Word of God. Amen? Let's take a look. I'm going to go through this quickly. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Remember that song? Oh, magnify the Lord. For He is worthy to be praised. Amen? And Mary magnifies the Lord. Notice here, she does not magnify herself. She magnifies the Lord. She lifts up the name of the Lord. You know what? It's impossible to grieve in heaven. But if you could grieve in heaven, Mary would be grieving. Because people are going in and worshiping statues to Mary. Mary, If Mary walked on the planet for ten seconds, she'd probably be like Elijah was in the days of King Ahab and go in there and kick all those statues down and say, don't you do that. Amen? She says, oh, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. She's singing praise songs to Him. And she says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my what? Everybody say it. Savior. God my what? Who's so Mary needed a Savior? Yes, she did, because she was a sinner. Amen? Anybody tells you, oh, Mary, no, take him to this verse. What did Mary, Mary's singing out. She's praising God that she has a Savior. Oh, God, my Savior. Mary was a sinner just like all of us, and she needed to trust the Lord for eternal salvation. Verse 48. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Maidservant again, the most humble of all servants. And blessed because of God's grace, not because of Mary's righteousness. She was going to be blessed because of what God did through her, not because how wonderful she was. We're blessed in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. Amen? We're blessed because of God's grace poured out on sinful men. Not us earning God's favor somehow. Verse 49, For He is mighty and has done great things for me, and holy is my name. Holy is His name. Amen? Holy is His name. There's only one holy. Jesus Christ. Now, here's the good news. Because of His death upon the cross and His shed blood, we too are made holy. Amen? Not because of our works, but because of His works. Praise the Lord. Great things originate with God. Holy is His name, not Mary's name. We're almost done. Verse 50. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. Again, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Most people today do not only not acknowledge God, but they do not fear Him. Every time I see someone driving around with a Darwin fish on the back of their car, there's no fear of God there. Amen? You're pull it next to him and just go, what are you thinking? You know, I mean, I, you know, you just, I, oh, man, I need to pray for him is what I need to do. I, mean, I want to bash their car sometimes. I have to keep, I'm confessing. Man, you know, be, you know because they're, they're taking God and they have no fear. And there's no fear of God anymore. Just turn on TV. Is there fear of God? They mock God. They laugh at God. They make fun of God. There's no fear of God. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. Verse 51, He has shown strength within His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. The Bible again says He gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. You know, pride is something that every one of us struggles with. We can see it in other people, and quite often we don't see it in our own lives. When you see pride in someone else, don't you, don't you hate it? Doesn't it make you sick? Right? You see pride, you go, oh man, that, 
Stop. Get over yourself, right? I mean, you don't like it, right? But at the same time, we struggle with pride ourselves. God gives grace to the humble. We have nothing to be proud of. The Bible says if we boast in anything, we should boast in Jesus. Amen? That's the only thing we have to boast about, is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He gives grace to the humble and He resists the proud. Verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you're hungry for God, He will by no means keep Himself from you. Amen? If you're hungry to know God, you'll know Him better. If you desire to walk with Him closer, you will. If you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? Amen? We move. God doesn't move. Finishing up, verse 53. Fill the hungry, the rich he has sent away empty. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Not that riches are necessarily evil, but the Bible says we cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money too. You can only have one king and one Lord and one Savior. Verse 54. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His seed forever. Jesus came to save His people from their sins as it was told to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. Despite Israel's ungodly state, He would remember His promise to them and Jesus' fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. All those promises that we've been reading in Genesis, those of you who come on Wednesday nights, And we're going verse by verse through Genesis. All those promises that were made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that through their seed all the nations of the world will be blessed, that's Jesus. Amen? It's all pointing to the Messiah. It's all pointing to the one that would come, and Jesus Christ came. Verse 56, close. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. She came in the sixth month, I believe, that Mary stayed until John the Baptist was born. And then she returned to her own home. If the worship team would come back up, let me just summarize what we looked at this morning. In conclusion, Zacharias, the high priest, doubted the Word of God because of its improbability. You know what? I know sometimes when God ministers to us and calls us to do things, we don't think we're worthy or capable to do it. I'll never forget when my pastor in Southern California asked me I was in my early 20s, if I would be willing to teach, become the, to be the youth pastor at the church. I was like, what are you talking about? You've got to be kidding me. I, I, no. What are you t- I've never even been to a youth group. I've never been to a youth group. First youth group I ever went to, I was the youth pastor of it, right? So I'm, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking I went home and I prayed about it and I, I just didn't feel like I was worthy to do it. And God said, I want you to do it. And I went, and there was four or five girls in this youth group, and me. We sat around the table, and I taught them the book of John. And we watched over time as that youth group turned into hundreds of kids. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. Amen? And you know what? I praise the Lord for my pastor who challenged me. And he said, why don't you do it? And I didn't feel worthy, but I prayed about it, and God said, go. And let me encourage you with something. If you don't feel worthy, dig a well and find out. Amen? Go dig a well, and let's see if something springs up. You know what? If you're just sitting around being a pew potato, let's, let's get off the pew potato train, right? Amen? It's time to say, I'm fat. Okay, you're fat. You've been fed. Let's go out and feed somebody else. The Dead Sea's dead because it's all inlet, no outlet. Zacharias missed it because he did not look at the improbability of it. 
He was left speechless and ineffective for ministry. And Mary, a young Jewish woman from the same city of Nazareth, believed, humbly submitted herself to the Word of God, even though it seemed impossible. She focused not on her physical frailties, but on, the, on God's omnipotence. The result was a blessing that is still touching the world today. And the incredible joy overflowing from the heart of Mary. A joy that can only come from being in the center of God's will. Isn't it awesome to see Mary just sing to God, Oh, great is my God. You know what? That's where, you're, that's where you're at when you're walking in the center of His will. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You and we praise You, Lord, for the example of Mary. And we thank You, Lord, that she was not some super saint. But, Lord, she was just a, a woman like the women in this room tonight or this morning. And Lord, I just pray that, Father God, each one of us would have that same faith. The Lord, when you call upon us to step up for you, that we would not be ashamed. But Lord, that we would say, Lord, we need you. And we would not look at our own human frailties, but look at your power. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that you would use men and women like us. So Lord, we just love you, we praise you, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand up and close the worship song.